0: to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of the Crown on the application of DN and the Secretary of State for the Home Department. The citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 7. And this is an immigration case that takes place within the area of the law surrounding deportation. The individual at the heart of this case is D.N. who is a Rwandan national and was granted refugee status in the UK back in the year 2000. Unfortunately, he has since that time committed a number of criminal offences, including, most importantly for these proceedings, assisting the entry of a non-EEA national to the UK in contravention of section 25 of the Immigration Act 1971. For these offences, D.N. had to serve 18 months in prison, but that wasn't the end of his troubles. At the end of his sentence, the Secretary of State for the Home Department decided to deport D.N. on the basis of Section 72.4A of the Nationality, Immigration and Asylum Act 2002. That provision allows for deportation in the case of so-called serious offences which came to be defined under the Nationality, Immigration and Asylum Act 2002 specification of Particularly Serious Crimes Order 2004. Among those serious offences, assisting the entry of a non-EEA national was included, and this placed D.N. directly in the firing line. In early 2008, he was detained pending deportation as the Home Secretary used their powers of administrative detention under paragraph two three of Schedule 3 to the Immigration Act 1971. Initially D.N. issued a challenge to the deportation itself but when the 2004 order that specified serious crimes was deemed to be unlawful in the case of E.N. and Secretary of State for the Home Department 2009, D.N. altered the focus of his challenge to the lawfulness of the detention instead. However, the changing nature of the case law in this area tripped him up when it was decided in the 2012 case of the Crown on the application of Draga and Secretary of State for the Home Department that a detention would be lawful, even if it was based on an unlawful deportation order. With that in mind, the Court of Appeal found in favour of the Secretary of State and now DN appeals to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. In the end, all of the Justices agreed on the outcome, and so we will be focusing on the lead judgment given by Lord Kerr, although we will also take time to investigate a concurring judgment handed down by Lord Carnworth. The starting point for Lord Kerr was yet another recent case from 2011 called the Crown on the application of lumber and Secretary of State for the Home Department, where the Supreme Court held that there was no material difference between a detention that is unlawful because there isn't a statutory power to detain and a detention that is unlawful because the decision to detain was made in breach of an existing public law. In the current proceedings, we are dealing with the first type of situation as there isn't a statutory power to detain because the case of EN that we mentioned earlier on concluded by declaring the 2004 order unlawful. Following on from this, if the 2004 order was unlawful, then there was no statutory basis for detaining DN. Secondly, the justices went on to note how the detention decision and the deportation decision are inextricably linked, and so it is not the case that one causes the other, or that they are independent of one another. In practical terms, this means that the Home Office cannot argue that because the deportation was lawful, that the detention was therefore lawful as well. The upshot of all this is that the case of Draga, where a detention was held to be lawful even when based on an unlawful deportation order, was wrongly decided, and it is on this point that Lord Carnworth expounded upon in his concurring judgement. He suggests that there are two key reasons why Draga was wrongly decided. Firstly, it is not correct to say that the Home Secretary's decision to detain D.N. was within the general remit of the court order to deport him, because the tribunal was not asked to consider the possibility of detention whatsoever. The second reason relates to something called the Second Actor Theory that Lord Justice Pill cited and used in Draga. The basic principle here is that when a legal act such as the 2004 order is later found to be unlawful, It doesn't change the fact that it was, for a time at least, considered to be lawful and relied upon as such. The second act theory tries to take a practical approach to this situation and offers a free pass to anyone who relied on a legal act while it was at least thought to be good law. However, the problem in this situation is that the Secretary of State made the unlawful instrument in the first place, that same one that they are now seeking to rely on. Clearly that would set a bad precedent, and so the Draga case must be overruled. As we move on now to our own analysis of this case, I think it would be useful to start off with the obiter that was brought up by Lord Carnworth towards the end of his concurring judgement. His point relates to issue estoppel, which is part of a wider doctrine called res judicata. That Latin phrase roughly translates to a thing that has been judged, and establishes that when a matter has been litigated, it cannot be litigated again. It's a fairly sensible principle that preserves judicial time and resources, but it applies here because while Dien has already challenged his deportation, he has not done so by reference to the invalidity of the 2004 order. Arguably he should have brought this up in the original proceedings instead of trying to re-litigate it here, Lord Carnworth notes that while they will not make a decision on this point because res judicata was not something raised by the Council for the Home Office, the implication is pretty clear that this was, at the very least, a missed opportunity for the Home Office. Personally, I'm not totally convinced that this would have made a difference because of the way that the deportation and detention proceedings marry up, but it would have been interesting to see the arguments so definitely another example of a misstep by the government's legal representation, something that has become all too common of late. Moving on, and the other point that I want to address is the second actor theory that we mentioned earlier on. In one of his last judgments for the Supreme Court, Lord Carnworth appears to have dealt something of a blow to this idea that was originally developed by the academic foresight from Cambridge University. Arguably that is a bit of a shame because the theory does make some practical sense. You can imagine a situation where, say, a law is passed that allows shops to open later than usual. If it is later found that the granting of such permission was unlawful, then it does seem harsh to say that the shops that were open later were operating illegally during that time when the law was seemingly valid and in force. However, while that may indeed be practical and desirable, that isn't how the law works. Indeed, this case is a good example of how the theory can potentially operate to allow an unlawful act to deprive a person of their liberty. Ultimately, there is no practical get-around that is worth that sacrifice. Well, thank you very much for tuning in this podcast episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com, who provide the theme music. In the meantime, do be sure to check out my website at uklawweekly.com, where there are old episodes and links to videos I'll be back with another episode of the podcast next week, but until then, bye!